0: All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood, Dan Panetti with Mike and Gabe, continuing our conversation on the meaning of marriage, diving into chapters three, the essence of marriage, and four, the mission of marriage. And uh, and Gabe brought up a good point um, as we got done recording the last one. He said, "Hey, it's uh, Tim Keller uh, kind of frames this discussion." Um, uh, based on um, some bible passages and, and uh, Gabe wanted to make sure that we were framing it in that same way and so Gabe what what was the passage he 's used in for these chapters
1: yeah particularly ephesians five uh, verse thirty one for the essence of marriage but then he'll he 'll jump over into uh, into ephesians uh, i 'm sorry not ephesians um But uh, yeah, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. But for the sake of of this first chapter, which is chapter three, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to read off Ephesians 5, 31. And it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Uh, And I think this is such an important um, piece of what he's going to talk about as we start to look more at... um, what, what marriage is within the context of how God instituted it rather than how our culture has um, warped it uh, into simply a transaction of a piece of paper rather yeah. than a covenant itself yeah. uh, made between not just a man and a woman uh, but also between God himself
2: yeah. yeah, I love that you brought out covenant because really it, this, this is the start of the comparison between covenant love and romantic love yep. the world's view of romantic love that that, that one person. "Quote unquote, the one will fulfill you."
0: Yeah, I love um, the the leave and cleave um, part of that. Uh, I have seen it not done well, uh, and I have seen it uh, lead to some some very very difficult relationships um, when uh, when you don't leave um, your mother and father and cleave to your wife, right? Uh, cleave where the two become one. Um, and I wrote down in my notes, that, you know, Cleve, it says united to to be glued to something. Right. It's going to be a relationship um, that is so um, essential to the nature of who you are, that when the two become one, um, that breaking of those two. Um, is something that's going to be very difficult. And really, it it becomes a tearing away of that. And so that's why I think divorce is so uh, difficult for the individuals. Um, He's going to get into this a little bit later when he just talks about sex. uh, But really, the idea of marriage from a biblical standpoint um, isn't a relationship that you go before a judge and you say, I'm going to get married. It's it's the idea of anybody you're having sex with is a person that you're in a sense married to. That's, that's the connection that God uses. He says, listen, when you're having sex, you're, you're marrying, you're uniting. Um, and so he's saying that, you know, that, that particular essence of marriage, that uniting of the two uh, needs to create uh, its own separate unity, needs to create its own separate family. And that's a really important and valuable thing for you to realize that, yeah, th- th- this is a big deal. When, when you, enter into the marriage covenant, Mm -hmm. it's not just a relationship that you're having like any other relationship, and it's not just an elevated relationship, it's a totally different kind of relationship. It is a covenantal relationship, and that comes with certain factors.
2: And and we've mentioned covenant a couple times now, and and we're getting into the section where we talk about consumer versus covenant. So let's anchor on covenant. Covenant is the promise of future love. Yep. This means it, it lasts regardless of emotion. That's right. So it really rides on intention. You know, love is an act of the will. It's accompanied by emotion, but it's not led by it or devoid of it if I steal from Bodie Bauckham. There you go. So Good, good person to steal from. Yeah, he's a decent <laughs> guy to steal from. I just don't want to get in a jiu-jitsu mat with him. So... uh this section was the, the one that I got that just spoke to me. I mean, I read this 10 years ago, and this is all lined and highlighted from 10 years ago in my book, is because I base most of the first 10 years of my marriage on a consumer relationship where I'm willing to put into the marriage what I get back in return right. as a transaction. Right.
0: It's like the 50-50 thing. You give yeah. to me, I give to you. That's when it works well. If you don't give to me, well, then I'm not going to give to you. And right. I'm definitely yeah. not going to give to you just based out of right, you know, anything other than what I get back. So that, that is what I see most marriages, when I see problems in the marriage, when I yeah. start talking to them, that's where I can kind of get down to the crux is, well, you know, well, she doesn't do this, and so I don't do that. And It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what are we talking about here?
2: I've come up with a petty list of why I'm not going to love my spouse. Yeah. And, I've, and unfortunately, as a man, I can rationalize and justify just about anything. And I will justify not loving my wife based on some perceived slight yeah. or real. Because I've bought into the romantic love version of life, not the okay, this is a covenant love marriage. It's not about my happiness, it's about me as we get into Ephesians later, just sanctifying my wife by loving her in a manner that Christ has loved me. Yeah.
0: I love that you put both perceived and real slights in there because that's a reality. There absolutely there are relationships that are that are difficult, that are struggling. Um, does that mean that I don't love my wife? Does that mean that I don't serve my wife? And the answer is no.
2: He does this later in the chapter. He's like, uh, as Christ is hanging on the cross, Mm -hmm. he didn't look down and say, I'm staying here because you have performed well, or you you look look good. Yeah. Yeah. You you, you look so good. I'm going to sit here and hang. Yeah. That is so freaking convicting because that is the attitude we tend to bring into our uh, disagreements and conflicts in marriage is that you know i keep thinking you're supposed to serve me i really i want to be worshiped this is the problem yeah i want to be worshiped by my spouse because hey look at my resume i'm am a good catch she's lucky and i've totally missed it yeah and i've made it all about me and her worshiping me instead of darn it i am supposed to worship christ by how i love my wife that's why he stayed on the cross he didn't stay on the cross because i was good looking or you know i followed all the commandments none of that and and that's the trap that I easily fall into.
0: Yeah, I love uh, when Keller goes into the whole idea. Um, he says, uh, because uh, because it is our promises that give us a stable identity, and without a stable identity, it's impossible to have stable relationships. Which take, takes us back to Gabe's point, and that is everything goes back to the gospel. Yep. And if you have that gospel identity that you are uh, in Christ because of his love for you, not because of something that you've done, Then you can say, and I'm in this marriage, in this relationship, because of Christ, not because something my spouse has done. So because I have a stable identity, I can have stable relationships. They're not, my relationships are based on what you do for me. And and the great part about that is there's days when your wife does something amazing. Well, the relationship doesn't get any better. But if they do something terrible, all of a sudden the relationship gets worse. And what he's saying is, no, no, no. <laughs> if they do something amazing, that's great. If they do something awful, right, and they don't serve you in the way that you want to be served, right, the relationship itself doesn't change because it's based on a covenant. It's based on a promise. Your relationship with Christ, when you, when you walk in holiness, doesn't get better. But when you don't walk in holiness, it doesn't get worse. In, in the sense of, right, your relationship with Christ is based on the work that Christ has done.
2: Yeah, your point about identity is great there because Jesus is is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever. forever. He's never changed, yeah. and I've given him a million reasons totally. not to love me. Yeah, and he hasn't changed. Yeah.
0: And tomorrow so, you give him a million and one, uh, I, right? It just, yeah, <laughs> it just it, keeps like, on going, and yeah, he still loves. But
2: us. since I can anchor in his consistent identity, yeah. that gives me the fuel to love, you know, and gives her the fuel to love a knucklehead like me. I mean, it's it's so much easier to operate that way than the world's way. Because there'll never be peace. There's a peace when things aren't perfect because I know who I'm worshiping as I'm loving. If I'm doing it uh, in an effort to find romantic love, there's never stability. The water's always going to be rocking. I've got a deep and even keel if I'm anchoring on Christ. But everything else is just going to rock with the waves.
1: Yeah, I, 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 this word, I, I love that you guys are talking about covenant, but I, I just want to focus on the consumer aspect for a second because it's so, like everything that we're talking about, um, it, it's literally trying to hit a moving mm-hmm. target, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. it, it's when, when you're a consumer of something, like I'm just, in my mind as you guys are talking, I'm thinking of like just just how advertising advertising has changed like just in the course of my life mm-hmm. uh and you just see like man there, it's always this marketing of of yourself when you're living in this relationship where it's all about man i'm only going to give as much as i get yeah. uh and so and, and as soon as i stop getting then i'm just going to go somewhere else where i can get uh and this is this is where where marriages fall apart this is where they crumble uh is that as soon as Um, my spouse, or or for that matter, myself, stopped performing in a certain way. And now all of a sudden we've got this performance-based... Relationship that man, if I have a bad day or an off day, then all of a sudden, like there's there's this feeling within me of man, I don't measure up, or she doesn't measure up, and I'm not getting. So we're just unhappy. And so now it's it's just mind blowing that when you take this big perspective of covenant versus consumer, like how people can't see the downward spiral that actually nothing gets fixed when we are consumers of our of our spouses. Nothing gets fixed when we're a consumer within the relationship. Any relate this could be a friendship or a marriage relationship nothing ever gets fixed it just gets worse because things get more and more petty as you said mike and, and so he, even this this whole idea of this promise um i love that he mentioned in here that who i think i think he was oh no it's a it's a different author but he said that his wife has been married to at least five different men yes in in the course of their marriage and he says and he, all five of them have been me yeah and I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. Now he's talking from from a good aspect, yeah. right? A, of a sanctification you're, aspect you're of like were growing in Christ. Yep. Yep. Um, but I think the same is true adversely as well, mm. to where a lot of people, from a performance or consumer standpoint, yeah. have tried to fit the mold based on wherever whatever the feelings mm. are at that particular moment within their relationship.
2: Yeah, and we can all like remember that time we got the new iPhone. It, it was marketed well. We, we got it. We were happy with it for about three months, and then they said a new version was coming. Yeah. And, and marketers have studied the high you get from the next version of yes. the next phone yes. decreases over and over again. So you have to get more new, 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 new. Yeah. That same problem shows up in marriages, and then I get divorced because that wasn't the one. This one's going to be better. Ah, it didn't last as long. It's not as good. And, and I'm falling in that consumer trap that Gabe just hey, pointed out. Hey, you're the military guy.
0: I, every time and it's weird but every time i see a commercial for the military now i almost go like whoa that's totally different than when i was a kid it used to be the military was this call up to something special this duty to do yeah. something for god and country and it was like it wasn't about you it was about something greater than you and now i turn on the tv right and the commercial comes on it's like how do you like military will make you the best version of you and i'm like what like that's totally different. yeah it's it's <laughs> like, it's showing wow. all the gadgets and things yes. you play
2: with the Marines are some of the few. Maybe because they're, you know, I'm going to make fun of Marines now. They're not as sharp as everybody else. <laughs> but they keep it simple, the few, the proud. Yeah. It, it, focus more on the service. But, yeah, everything is marketed to your individual benefit as a consumer. Yes. Even marriage. Even marriage. Yeah,
0: yeah. 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 That's, that's crazy.
1: Well, and I think the hard part, too, and, and he gets in this a little bit more. I, I know we're going to have to move on to Chapter 4 here in a second. But it, one of my favorite quotes, I think, of Tim Keller of all time is this idea of, of being known. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so within this covenant idea, like this, it's scary, right? Uh, because if I can simply change to make somebody happier, to make myself happy or receive something as a consumer, yeah. uh, that almost is easier because I, I'm constantly just changing the mask uh, or the persona of what I'm presenting to people. Uh, no one, nobody actually has to know the real me. And so he says in here, and again, this is one of my favorite quotes from Tim Keller. He says, to be loved, but not known is comforting, mm-hmm. but it's superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Amen. And I thought, man, that, that's so true. And it's so scary <laughs> all at the same time. Uh, Especially when you when you bear your heart and you kind of put it in the hands of another sinner, um, and say, "Man, this is all of me, good and bad. I'm not. If I change, I hope it's for the better because I'm trying to follow Jesus more closely. Uh, But sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm going to fail. And will you still love me? Yeah. Um, and, And the question is, man, if you're a consumer, then the real possibility is, no, they won't. Uh, but if you have found yourself in a covenant relationship where each is giving to each other sacrificially, then all of a sudden it's like, I see your mistakes. I know all of them, and I love you still. Uh, yeah. The same way that Jesus loves us.
0: Yeah, I love that. I do love when he talks about, because he's real, um, if you're having a problem in your marriage, and he gives you some advice, and he says, start praying for your spouse. Right? And so, so I mean, just I, I love that idea, right? The, the concept of... If you're looking for something positive, you'll see it. If you're looking yeah. for something negative, you'll see it. Mm. And so he's like, if you're having a problem in your marriage, start looking for the positive and and do the, the the action part of love, and that is pray for your spouse.
2: It's interesting you mentioned that praying for your spouse, seeking the benefit of your spouse. Shanti Feldheim has a book called The Kindness Project, mm. and in it, she's got a, a, a hypothesis that she proves out. She's you know a statistician by nature and a researcher. You know, the best thing you can do to improve a relationship with somebody else is over focus on nothing but kind thoughts about them and then follow that up with kind actions you know make sure you're intentional about doing something loving once a day and don't let anything in, in between your ears that's negative and this is just the same old you know uh, i will love somebody until i love them <laughs> and if i focus on that seriously that's exactly what's going to yeah. come out of it yeah and and what you know I had, uh, we had a marriage class uh, up here, and we were in it for a long time. And the, the leader said, you show me a husband and a wife that pray together, they're never getting divorced. Yeah. If they're intentionally praying together every day, it's gonna, Satan's going to have no wiggle room to get in between. Man, why am I not going to the creator of the universe with the one I love more than any in my life outside of Christ? Why don't I go to the creator of the universe with something that might be bothering her or something I need to do in me? instead of just trying to do it in my own power.
0: That's good. That's That's good. good. Well, he goes on to chapter four to talk about the mission of marriage. uh, And he asks us, what's, what's the purpose of marriage? Uh, And I love how he gets down to this concept, which I would summarize as marriage uh, is a friendship. Uh, Marriage is is a, is a walking um, of two together, right? Amos talks about can two walk together unless they're in agreement. Uh, And just that idea of right, that this is going to be a journey um, that you and another person are on, um, you know, for, for the next 50, 60 years of your life. Uh, and the thing that keeps it together is that, that friendship, that relationship where you, um, share common interest and bonds, where you're, um, you know, connected through something, um, where you're, you're just giving one to another. And it's, it's a neat thing. Um, you know, because the, the idea of friendship, I think, really kind of has become devalued in our culture. Um, and you go back to the Bible and you will see that there is a tremendous value on friendship. Now, um, Jonathan and David, right. Yeah. You've got, you've got uh, same sex friends, right. Where, you know, men and men are friends, women and women are friends. Uh, this one is a special, uh, particular friendship because it defines all other friendships, um, the marriage relationship. Um, but, but I do love that idea that you have that, um, you know, what is your mission and purpose? And, and he gets that question. And I've had this conversation with somebody before uh, the whole idea of, can, can you be unequally yoked? Right. And which mm-hmm. is the language that we use in a Christian thing is, can you connect your life with somebody who's not a believer? And if Christ is at the center of your life, and if that is your mission and purpose, but it's not at the center of a life of the person that you're interested in, the person that you're dating, the person you want to be married, Keller would tell you that's going to be a problem.
2: Yeah, that friendship is just so important. I I didn't start my dating life. I didn't start anything when it came to marriages. I need to find a great friend, Yeah, which is funny because you think now, you know, 20 plus years into marriage, if Dan calls me in the middle of the night and says, Mike, I got an issue. I need you here. I'm not even, I I may get dressed or I may just go in my pajamas right to where he needs help. But then if my wife tells me to take out the trash, what kind of attitude am I giving? Exactly. But Mm. if I started the marriage with... I, you know, I'm there for your betterment. Uh, you know, I'm going to lead in a fashion in this friendship that I'm going to help you achieve what you want to achieve, even though you don't want to do it. Do what you need to do to get there. But man, I, that rocked my world. I did not go into it with I need a rock solid friend. That I, that you know, guys, I'm married to the hottest woman in the world. But <laughs> I should have started with that as the essence because yeah. that will that will ride through when the sock's on the ground. Yeah,
0: amen. Yeah. And and you know, Mike remembers probably 12 years ago is when we moved into the house that we're currently in. Um, And my my wife found some incredible deals on some furniture that I will just Flat out tell you that if we ever move, we cannot take the furniture with us because <laughs> it, it was the heaviest stuff. She may have found deals because
2: yeah. they were built with cement. <laughs> I was like, if nobody else wanted to move to the outside. I don't.
0: I don't think you possibly, you know, c- uh, could. But uh, Mike was a guy I called, and I said, "Hey, I need some help. Come help me move some furniture." And I will tell you that you know we're probably still suffering. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> like I've lower got Workman's comp back issue. Right? I need from, to from uh, that particular uh, issue. Uh, but that was what was amazing is. You know, we had a friendship where I could call you to come do something that in, in, in reality you didn't want to do. Right? No, I, you're, had, you're, I you're, hadn't yeah, planned that out like, on a yeah, Saturday you don't, yet. Yeah, you don't <laughs> get up in the morning and say, hey, here's what I want to go do. But the concept is is play that off then on what you just said. When yes. your wife asks you to do something, right? Why do you not respond in the yeah. same way, right? And that, that's a great, great comment. I love that. So, uh, friendship, yeah, right? You're, um, he writes in here, he says, your spouse, all right, should be your best friend. Yeah. Right. And I think um, that might be, you know, the the greatest title that you can give your spouse. Right. My wife is my my best friend. Trisha is my best friend. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and that's, you know, far and above any other relationships, not only with guys or with girls. Right. Just Trisha is my best friend. And I think, you know, he's saying that's what you need to work towards because that's what's going to last as you go through. So what else in chapter four?
1: Yeah, well, he he goes back to Ephesians 5, verses 25 through 27, Uh where he says, "'Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, Mm. cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish.'" but holy and blameless. And so I, I just thought it was so interesting when he starts to flesh out, not just the importance of uh, your, your wife being your best, or your husband being your best friend, mm-hmm. um, but, he, but he's really, he also like puts this in the context of just like, what is friendship in general? And, and he writes this, he says, it means that any two Christians with nothing else but a common faith in Christ can have a robust friendship. Mm helping each other on their journey toward the new creation as well as doing ministry together in the world. And, and I just thought, man, it, it's so true. I've seen that in my own uh, relationships just with other guys uh, that didn't look like me or sound like me or had the same interest in me. Uh, but over time I found them to be some of my best friends because we shared the most common unifying factor that two men could share. Christ. Uh, and that is Jesus yep. uh, and love for him and, and desire to see his purpose done in our lives. Um, And the same should hold true for for me and my wife uh, or for you and your spouse. Is that, man, if you hold, you go back to that unequally yoked talk, um, man, as long as Jesus is the primary thing that bonds you two together, um, man, all the other things should pale in comparison uh, in terms of your relationship. Uh, and then he even says later on, he says, uh, then what is marriage for? He says, it is for helping each other to become our future glory selves, the new creations that God will eventually make us. And that's what Paul's saying in Ephesians is that as husbands, uh, man, our job is to present our wives um in their future glory selves uh, to do whatever it takes as their best friend, but mm. also their husband uh, to present them radiant before Christ himself, just as Christ did for us before God. Mm. Yeah,
2: Absolutely. I, Pre- I, I am my wife's CEO, and it's not what we think. I'm her chief encouragement officer. I'm her chief enabling officer. Like, I am there as her friend to sanctify her, to Mm. wash her with the word, to lift her up. And I think we get so lost sometimes as men as the headship role that the, the headship role is there for you to just die to yourself as a servant leader and lift everybody else, your wife and your kids up and raise them in a manner and love them in a manner in which Christ is glorified.
0: Yeah, which is exactly the way that Paul wrote it in Ephesians. (laughs) In case you forget what CEO means, uh, he tells you that you're the the first person to die. Yeah. Um, I I love, uh, he ends the chapter with this Mm. statement. He says, the reason uh, it, meaning marriage, the reason it must have priority is because of the power of marriage. Marriage has the power to set the course of your life as a whole. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. He says, if your marriage is strong, even if the circumstances in your life around you are filled with trouble and weakness, it won't matter. You are able to move out into the world in strength. However, if your marriage is weak, even if the circumstances in your life around you are marked by success and strength, it won't matter. You will move out into the world in weakness. And I think as guys, we kind of forget that concept. You can go make a billion dollars if you want, right? But if your marriage is terrible, right, your life will be miserable. And if you have a great marriage, you can, you can live in a tent. You can live on rice and beans. You can live on rice and beans, and you will be fine.
2: Absolutely. How many men of those 17 were just trying to pro- provide and perform, and all their wives wanted was some time? Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I can't buy happiness for my wife. Amen. I can serve in a manner that she will feel love, but I can't. I, I don't need another promotion. We don't need another vacation house. Uh, now, if anybody wants to let me borrow theirs, I will. But but I'm never going to make her happy doing that. And we've seen so many marriages just blow up on the altar of the, con- that's really just the consumer side of marriage. Yeah, that's right. If you're looking at the world's view yeah, and nobody needs that to yeah, be well. happy. Yeah. I,
1: I think my final thought on this is, is Keller's quote. He says, no other human being should get more of your love, mm. energy, industry, and commitment than your spouse. Amen. Uh, and, and so from a priority standpoint, like that, that, that kind of like finalizes everything of man she in my case gets it all Um, above and beyond my kids above and beyond my own ministry or work um, she gets all of it the best of it I love it
0: well that's chapters three and four we'll be back next week with chapters five and six thank you for listening to training for manhood if you found the conversation to be valuable make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts also Check out additional content on our website trainingformanhood.com. That's training the number 4 manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.